Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 66, verses 5 through 13. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a spacious place. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from Luke's Gospel. We are in chapter 17. Verses 11 through 19, a familiar passage, so listen again with fresh ears. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers, lepers, not leopards, lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Praising God with a loud voice, he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So who was this man? Born 1865, 
1936. He was born in Bombay, India, although he was English, an author, a poet, wrote such books as Captain's Courageous, How the Leopard Got Its Spots, and The Jungle Book. Rudyard Kipling, right, well done, well done. So there's a story told that a newspaper reporter, after most of his career, he had done well for himself, a reporter comes and says, well, Mr. Kipling, I, I read something that said you were so well off financially from your writings that someone had calculated it that every word is worth $100. So the reporter takes out a $100 bill and hands it to Kipling and says, now can you give me one of those $100 words? And Kipling takes the bill, puts it in his pocket and says, thanks, walks away. <laughs> Today is about thanks, thanksgiving, about gratitude. This passage we have heard before and we hear from time to time, especially around Thanksgiving, especially around stewardship season, which we are in the midst of. But let's take a look at the story itself. So Jesus and his disciples are somewhere between Samaria and Galilee. So they're north of Jerusalem. They're coming to a little village. We're not sure exactly where. And as they are coming in, 10 lepers scream out from a distance, Jesus, have mercy on us. And why at a distance? Well, because that's where the lepers had to live and stay. They were separated due to whatever condition and the fact that you were leper didn't necessarily mean you had leprosy, but had something that was deemed out of the ordinary and possibly contagious. They were cut off from their families, from their friends. They could not go to the temple. They were outcasts. Their only solace was that they were with one another. So they were alone, isolated, by themselves, dealing with some kind of physical ailment. So from a distance, they call. And Jesus speaks to them and says, from a distance, go to the priests. Okay? So in that day, it wasn't the doctors, but the priests that had to give you a clean bill of health before you could go back to temple life, back to your family. It was seen as both physical and spiritual that you were in that position and place. And so these 10 are going on the way to the priest because that's what Jesus told them to do. And as they were going, something happened. They started to feel a change and they all realized in an instant that they were healed. They were cured. No longer did they have the affliction that they've been dealing with on a daily basis. 
No longer did they have the affliction that isolated them and separated them from their family, from their friends, from their temple life, and from God. They were free, and they were clear. Now, put yourselves in their position. What might you be tempted to do? We don't know the length of time they've been separated from their family, from others. But I know I might be tempted to make a run back to my family and celebrate all of them, 10 lepers leaping, because they have been cured, they have been healed, and they're going back home. How many of us sometimes forget to thank the people that do significant things in our lives for us because we're caught up in the moment of whatever it was that they did for us? I know I do all the time. So nine of them go either about their business or back to their world, and honestly, I can't fault them for that. If I had been separated from my family, from my friends, from my faith community, and all of a sudden I was okay, I would want to run to the priest to be granted admission back to my life, except it forgets the one who healed you. So the one out of 10 comes back and falls on his knees at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, hmm, almost sarcastically, were there not 10? Where are the other nine? And it's this foreigner that is the one that comes back, implying that the rest may have been Jews in the house of Israel, and here's this Samaritan. And again, we know Samaritans and Jews were at odds with each other. They had historical differences in the past. Some of that had to do at one time they were all one Hebrew family, but they were separated through different acts, including um, moving their true temple, which they saw, to Mount Gerizim, not in Jerusalem, where the Jews obviously thought that it was. The Assyrians had come in and taken over the northern kingdom, Samaria, where the headquarters was, capital headquarters, capital. And some of the Jews stayed after the Assyrians came in and took over their city. So there was intermixing there with the Assyrians. So the Jews looked on Samarian, Samaritans as being of mixed race, descent, which was unclean and inappropriate at that time in that place. So they had become enemies, they had become unclean to one another. And so again, every time Samaritan is mentioned from the Samaritan woman at the well, from the good Samaritan, there would have been an oxymoron for those there in Jesus' time, no such thing as a good Samaritan. And then here again, the one that comes back is a Samaritan. And Jesus even says, this foreigner is the only one. And then he says a curious thing. Our little passage ends with Jesus saying, rise and go, your faith has made you well. 
well, I, I thought he was already healed. I thought he was already cured. Why does Jesus tell him that again? Because there's something bigger at stake here. All of those 10, Jesus cured, cured their skin condition, their ailments, their diseases, great and to be celebrated. But Jesus was working on more than just healing their skin. Because this man came back with gratitude and faith, those two things are working together so that he is healed in a more holistic way in this life and salvation in the next. He could have been healed and went about his business and not come back to Christ and said, thank you. And he would have had that shallow healing, a great and miraculous healing, but would have missed out on Christ's continual presence with him in this life and then the afterlife where Christ will bring him home. Your faith has made you well. Rise and go. So what must it have been like to be that one guy, that Samaritan who turned back? What was it that motivated him? Well, lucky for you, I am your pastor. <laughs> lucky for you that my research is extensive. And lucky for you that in the annals of the historian Josephus, I found a song. That's right, a song written by the one man who turned and came back. I'm going to share that with you. Strangely, it's to a John Denver tune. Or maybe John Denver stole it from him. Hmm. <clears throat> you will know the tune, but listen for the words from his perspective. Being an outcast. Exile is kind of laid back Ain't much to do but beg, cough and hack I'm covered with sores and wear a burlap sack Thank God Jesus heard my voice Well, an unclean life holds no charm Can't raise a family or work on a farm Can't even go to temple, never eat chicken parm Thank God Jesus heard my voice well, I got leprosy and a mouthful of spittle. Blisters on my hand, I'm completely belittled. There's a rock and a hard place, and I'm in the middle. Thank God Jesus heard my voice. Well, me and nine guys cried out and made noise. We all had disease, which wasn't our choice. Then Jesus healed us up, he acted so nice. Thank God Jesus heard my voice. So only I went back to offer gratitude. Jesus was surprised and said, how rude. 
He said, your faith has saved you. Follow me and these dudes. And now I'm a Christian boy. Now I got me a fine wife, got an old fiddle. Go to temple every day, eating yummy kosher fiddles. Life is full of joy and salvation's not a riddle. Thank God I'm a Christian boy. One more time with me. Now I got me a fine wife, got me old fiddle. Go to temple every day, eating yummy kosher vittles. Life is full of joy and salvation's not a riddle. Yeah! Thank God I'm a Christian boy. Yes, unearthed just for you and your listening pleasure. So what prompted the man to have gratitude? What prompted the man to celebrate finally being a Christian boy, even though he didn't really know that's what he was at the time? Your faith has made you well. Karl Barth is a Swiss theologian, and he was one of the authors of the Barman Declaration, which spoke against Christians who were joining up with the Nazi party. It's in our book of confessions. I know you've all studied it extensively. But he said that the human response to God is gratitude. It's not fear. It's not trembling. It's not guilt. It's not despair. It's thanksgiving. C.S. Lewis, author, theologian, writes this, noticing the connection between gratitude and personal well-being. He says, I noticed how the humblest and at the same time the most balanced minds praised most, while the cranks, the misfits, the malcontents praised least. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. Isn't that great? Praise almost seems to be inner faith made audible. Meaning that as Christians, as those who seek to follow Christ, praise, gratitude are as much a part of our journey with Christ in discipleship as any other aspect. As a matter of fact, faith and gratitude are grafted together and are one. We do not have true faith without gratitude, nor do we have gratitude without faith. Why? Because it's in realizing that what God has done for us that we are able to say thank you. If we think God hasn't done anything for us, why would we have gratitude? Why would we have any, be in a position to say thank you to God for anything? And I know it's easy for us to focus on the negative in our lives or the things that we struggle with, because often that's what takes our time and our energy and our resources, those things that we are trying to make better or work through. But what I also hope we don't forget are the overwhelming gifts of grace and light and the blessings that we are covered with. with. Daniel Defoe was the author 
and wrote his fictional character, Robinson Crusoe. One of the first things on his shipwrecked island that he does is to sit down and make a list. A list of his problems and a list of his blessings. So he starts, and on one side he says, I have no clothes. And on the other side, he says, but it's a warm island. I don't know that I need very many clothes. Turns it back over. All of my provisions have been lost. He turns it over and says, but the island is teeming with fruit and fresh water. And he goes back and forth and back and forth until he realized that for every issue and problem he has, he's able to counter it with some kind of blessing to remind himself that it's not as bad or as dire. Difficult, absolutely. But that he has blessings as well. And my hope is that if you take time to do this, you will find, you will find it overwhelming. Not your problems, but your blessings. And if we attribute those blessings to God, then we can be those people, his, God's, Christ's people of gratitude as we are being called to be. If we never make a connection with God in Christ, we have nothing to be thankful for. But if we understand the way that God has blessed us from day one of creation, from bringing us into being, from the people God places in our lives, from the gifts we are given to be able to learn, to work, to grow, to do the things that we do, the more we realize that we've been given so much. Faith and gratitude are woven together. And sometimes when we're in hard places, it's hard to really focus on blessings when you're busy being in a difficult situation, of course. But it's also in those moments where we realize that we are not alone and it is Christ who continues to walk with us and hold us is why we celebrate. And that's where the blessing is. There's a story that Tom Long tells, who's a, a preacher, author, theologian. And he said he was having a hard day, didn't get anywhere near done everything that he had to do. The next day was going to be far worse. He was on his way home. He had to stop at the grocery store, which he doesn't like, because at that time, everybody else is there picking up the stuff that they were told to get on the way home. So he's there and he's dodging carts and he's trying to find his things and get in and get out. And there's people everywhere. And he gets trapped behind this one cart with a mom and her son. And they're playing and they're happy and they're clappy. And sometimes we just don't want to see those kinds of people, especially if we're mad and we're just trying to get to it enough. So he whizzes by them and you know, the grocery store, if, you, if you're kind of starting the same lane, you're going to keep crossing paths as you go aisle to aisle and keep crossing. Well, the next time he sees that the boy, the son, is mentally challenged and sees how the mom has made a game of hunting for different foods and different items uh, on their grocery list. And when they would find it, they would clap, yay, and be happy and excited. And so now he's starting to feel bad because he was kind of mumbling under his breath and goes to the next aisle and then comes, 
sees him again and decides to speak to the mom and says, listen, I think it's great what you're doing with your son in that relationship, saying that he appreciates the little game that she put up and how difficult it must be for her to go out and have to deal with a special needs child in that environment. And the mother smiles and says, thank you. He is a gift from God. He is a gift from God. We can look at challenges in our life and we can focus on the negative aspect. And of course, some things are awful and terrible and that's just what they are. But so much of the time we take little things and we beat ourselves up over them or we dwell on them until they grow and they grow and become more desperate and desperate. And yet God tells us there should be a different way. But we have to embrace what we've been given through Christ to be those people that live in gratitude. One of the first things the man did after he was healed was to turn back. What's our fancy church word for turning back toward God, towards Christ? It's repentance, right, repentance. Along the same lines as Moses when he was at the burning bush in Exodus 3. You remember, he was just doing his shepherd thing and then the bush is on fire but not consumed. And he says to himself, I need to turn aside. I need to step out of what I'm doing here and see what's going on over here. If he had kept going straight and said, ooh, look at that, and kept going, God may not have spoken to him in the same way that we know he did. But in this case, the leper wasn't even a turn aside. He turned back to come to Christ. So that's our challenge, to turn back and come home, which we have done through our confession time. We've all inherited new life. If we believe that, then we need to celebrate that. In this season of stewardship, all that simply means is that God has filled us to the brim with all kinds of good stuff that we need to share with the rest of the world and one another. If you remember when the Israelites were in the wilderness, and they were hungry, and God gave them what? Manna. Gave them the manna in the wilderness. And he said, don't hoard it. Take it day by day. You'll have enough. I will give you what you need. If you hoard it, it'll be worm-covered and rotten. And they said, okay. So they hoarded it because they're people. And what did it do? Just what God said. And it rotted away to nothing. Our faith is just like that. If we hoard our belief, our faith, what we know to be the good news of Christ for whatever reason, it rots. It doesn't grow. But if we share what we've been given, not only does it help those with whom we are helping, but it grows inside of us. We all know that. Those of you that have helped people in any situation, those that have been to volunteer, in different shelters, mission opportunities, gone to help someone who's in need, given money to support an organization that helps others, and then you see the direct tangible benefit of your involvement, and you see somebody's life has been changed, or somebody's been helped, or you help them get back on their feet, and now they're starting to make their own way. That's what 
feeds us. Doesn't that feel fantastic? That's what our Christian faith, that's what this gratitude is all about. And we give thanks to God that we are able to be partners in this ministry. So today, as we consider our stewardship, how we are going to give back to God through this church, individually, in the world, let us remember that one leper who turned back to Christ, and because he came back, his gratitude and faith made him well in this life and the next. So let us too rise and go. Hallelujah. Amen.